1: All right, Mike Heck here from MMAFighting.com in beautiful Tampa, Florida. As you can see, the ambiance behind us. We have a big event coming up this weekend, this Saturday, Amelie Arena, which is just right over our right shoulders right now. The rematch is happening Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, and the preview show duo that you have been calling for for the last several months is finally here. I am Mike Heck, and joining me
0: is Ariel Hawani. Ariel, wow. thank you for doing this. How are you? Uh, this is historic, Mike, in many respects. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we sort of started the preview thing many moons ago. I've never been a guest on the preview show. Really? Yeah. I've always been the host in all my years. I mean, dating back to when MMA Fighting and SB Nation teamed up in 2011, prior to that, the Fan House days, I have always held the microphone. So I feel a little weird right now. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Uh, You are the man. I love what's next and what the heck and all the great work that you are doing. And uh, I'm just honored to be back. This is great here in sunny, South, Florida. I've left my house We're back, baby. There we go. And
1: I'm very excited to uh, to have you on here. First things first This rematch It seemed like it just came out of nowhere, right? It was Tommy Fury And then within like a couple of hours, Fury was out. Woodley's back in Mm -hmm. The first fight there was a lot of excitement a lot of intrigue the second fight I'm intrigued by it I f- have a feeling there's some storylines that you're intrigued by but the yeah. overall buzz for this event is it surprising I-, I feel like it's a little it's a little lackluster but maybe it picks up later on today at the press conference.
0: Well there's there's a few things that the first fight had going for it that this one doesn't. number one just like the freshness they had never fought before Woodley's debut. we weren't quite sure you know how he would look. Jake Paul taking a big step up in competition and also Cleveland. Cleveland was a big part of the story too Him coming home, that whole thing Um, also his debut on Showtime You know, it's like the sequels historically Don't usually garner the same Interest as the original, Now, I do think there have Been some good sequels out there, like I think Back to the Future 2 Was a good one, Home Alone 2 was a good one Um, Godfather Not so Bad much. Boys 2 Bad Boys, okay, not quite Home Alone uh, Home Alone 2 is probably the best sequel I think Not as good as the original, but like Respectable in its own right Um, So, yes, I I do feel like people were really excited for Tommy Fury. I feel like people were just kind of interested in the idea of Jake fighting a quote-unquote boxer who's also closer to his age, who hasn't really been in a test as well. Their back and forth has been fun. Tyson being involved has been fun. But I think come Saturday, people are going to get into this. And I feel like there's been a bit of a, like a gradual build of interest. I do think the interesting part about this one is like yesterday we did the face-to-face and it's all kind of very respectful. And I think it, it goes to show that like, yes, once you go in there with someone, you fight eight rounds, you feel their power, you gain a level of respect that you don't have the first time around. I for sure think they both want to win. I for sure think that they both want to beat each other up and knock each other out. And I think there's actually, you know, a monetary, you know, incentive on Tyrant's part. But uh, it's kind of cool to see them like actually sort of respect each other this time around. So that's a whole new other layer. One of the
1: things that fascinates me about this fight is where the pressure lies, because Jake Paul has been saying since this fight was booked that all the pressure's on him. And then when I asked him after his open workout why he feels that way, he ran off a whole list of things as to why the pressure should actually be on Tyron Woodley. He's lost all these fights, he feels like he's just losing as a habit, and Woodley's lost a lot, that if Tyron wins, it does nothing for the sport, it does only something for him, and if Jake loses, he can no longer try to be on this quest to be the next quote-unquote Muhammad Ali. I feel like Woodley has all the pressure here, and I feel like Jake Paul is kind of playing with house money. If he loses this fight, he's got a built-in storyline to say as to why. I lost to a former UFC champion in my fifth professional boxing fight. Plus, you could do the trilogy and try to get that one back. So I kind of feel like, in a way, like his... This short legacy that he's built could take a little bit of a hit, but I don't think it really affects him all that much if he loses this fight unless he gets maybe
0: bolted in the first round. Who do you think carries more pressure tomorrow? So honestly, I agree with everything that you just said, including your answer. You know, Tyron has more pressure. I think the pressure thing is always a tricky one when talking about fights because ultimately they both have pressure, right? Uh, But if we have to pick one side, I couldn't agree more. I think Woodley has an immense amount of pressure on his shoulders, if only because, as you pointed out, he hasn't won a fight in quite some time. His last win was September of 2018 against Darren Till. Like, that feels like an eternity ago, right? In Dallas, Texas. Um, and when you consider the fact that in his subsequent fights, all against tremendous fighters, by the way, like Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, Camaro Usman, Vicente Luque, all the creme de la creme at 170, for the most part, other than the Vicente Luque fight, he didn't look like himself, right? The, the the knock on him has always been, you're always stuck in neutral, you're not throwing, you're not aggressive, you, you leave the cage, not really beat up, but like with a ton of regrets because you didn't go for it. Well, the Luque fight, he went for it and he looked pretty good early on and then he got caught and then submitted. In this first fight, I saw some people picking Woodley and that's fine, but I thought, if he was sort of tentative and uncomfortable towards the tail end of his MMA career, how do you think he's going to be in his pro boxing debut? So I expected that lack of activity in the early goings of that fight, and that's what we saw. To me, the big question is going to be, first second third round are we going to see a more aggressive Tyron Woodley basically are we going to see the Vicente Luque version of Tyron Woodley that I think we'll we'll know a little bit more about how this fight is going to go but I think it would be catastrophic for his legacy if he loses this fight and especially if he gets knocked out which I think is actually a possibility right like Jake has some power in his hands I know you know Nate Robinson Ben Askren not the same but still power and so Tyron Woodley left Cleveland, I think, with his legacy intact, for the most part. It wasn't the Ben Askren Atlanta situation. Askren didn't look good. He got knocked out. That's something that he's going to have to deal with for a long time. I thought that was obviously more embarrassing than the Masvidal loss because of who Masvidal is. If Woodley gets knocked out by Jake Paul, if he loses Jake Paul for a second time, I don't know how you come back from that. If Paul loses, he could say, like, all right, I beat you the first time. It was short notice. I was caught off guard. Let's do it again. Something like that. So, yes, Long-winded answer, but I agree. I think Woodley has more pressure on his shoulders, given the resume, given the losing streak, and given the fact that he's already lost to him once.
1: I agree with everything you just said there. And if Tyron wins, we know where this is going. They're just going to fight a third time. It's going to be big. If yeah, Jake, I wonder. You,
0: I wonder you if they, so? uh, You know, I wonder if they take a break after it. You know, there could be fatigue. You know, they didn't go to the Conor Nate fight for a third time when you thought that they obviously could have, right? Um, I'm not so sure that they go immediately to the third fight even if Tyron wins. It's possible, but I don't think it's, like, fait accompli. What if
1: Jake Paul wins this fight? What what do you think? Do they go back to Tommy Fury? Is there something else? Like, I know he's calling out a lot of names that he can't actually fight right now. Nate Diaz has the one fight left, and that seems interesting, but I also feel like Nate could do something similar on his own and build some sort of fight empire in his own way if he wanted to do it but obviously that'd be a big lucrative fight for nate but i just feel like it's unlikely at this point because of the one fight he has to actually compete and when that happens who the heck knows at this point so what do you think could be next for for jake if he wins
0: i mean if nate fights i don't think the january thing is going to happen but let's say he fights in march right because february is already kind of done even though the izzy fight isn't done but like let's just say all right that's their big fight there uh march is still kind of wide open conceivably they could fight in july or august you know if he fights out his deal they could fight now i agree with you there's a lot of hurdles along the way um i don't hate the idea of going back to tommy fury it sounds like he's not all that interested in it and i think there would be some sort of i don't know uh hesitation to go right back to that well because maybe they don't trust him that he's going to stick with the fight and also the promotion was a little weird like the press conference got weird because he didn't show up in vegas and all that stuff um so i don't know if there's like a ready-made guy Um, There's always going to be MMA fighters out there. And I think the Jake Paul versus MMA gimmick and storyline is quite lucrative. It's very smart what he's doing because he's staying in the sport where he can make more money. But he's going after the guys who are well known, especially for the 18 to 34 year old demo. Like more people know UFC fighters than your typical counterpart in boxing. And he's bringing them over to a sport that they're not well versed in. He's fighting them. They're making a lot of money, a lot of attention, and he's winning. So it's a very smart Playbook, and I think he can afford to stick around with that playbook for a little bit. But right now, there's no like ready-made guy. Like I think, I think in in um, in Cleveland, it was like, all right, you win, Tommy Fury wins, boom. Right? There's no scenario like that right now. By the way, also wouldn't be surprised if he takes a bit of a break. He's talked about this. He wants to go to the dentist. He always talks about going to the dentist. Right? He always mentions, I need to go to the dentist. And I'm like, yo. You could go uh, to the dentist for 30 minutes. Like, what's, what's the big deal? Like, are you literally training 24 hours a day? Um, but he, he, I think he wants a bit of a break. This is his fourth fight in 13 months. Now, people will scoff at the idea of a fight against Nate Robinson and all that stuff. But still, it's a training camp. He's taking it seriously. You see how he looks. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until the summer. And who knows who emerges between now and then. Very interesting what he's been doing. I do want to talk to you about... Frank Gore versus Darren Williams because that is
1: just so interesting. There's so much interest to this fight. Both guys making pro debuts. Both guys have been tied to combat sports for a while, but they're finally taking that next step to actually get in the ring. And I think these guys have so much gusto, especially with their names and where they came from. And I have so much respect for both of them for preparing the way that they have for saying yes to this fight and not going into the combat sports trash talk they're just going in respecting each other yeah, they're just going to go cool. in there and have a fight I love this fight
0: yeah uh, by the way gusto great word um, yeah they, they they are treating this very professionally like it's not Lamar Odom showing up for celebrity boxing both guys don't need the money I mean Frank Gore was just in the NFL last season right so you know he doesn't need the money Darren Williams did very well if you look at his um, you know his NBA salary and he's not one of these guys who's broke, who's desperate, all that stuff. Darren Williams, a lot of people don't know, uh, was a high school wrestler and did pretty well in the Texas area. Uh, He wrestled up until eighth grade and then he had to decide wrestling, basketball, and obviously it was the smart choice to go the basketball route. So he obviously owns, you know, co-owns a Fortis MMA. He's he's rolled, like, the guy's just not some dude who's like, oh, I want to fight. Now, of course, you know, we have to you Know, curb our expectations, and it's their debut. I respect him a lot for the fact that six weeks ago he weighed 242 and he just weighed in at 211. That's really interesting. There's a cap of 220, can't weigh more than 220 come Saturday night. So that's interesting as well. Frank Gore, you look at his Instagram, and again, it's Instagram, I know, but the guy knows what he's doing. Like, he knows how to hit mids. Like, you could tell when someone knows. I've seen those videos of like the Houston Rockets going to the PI, and you see Westbrook and Harden hit a heavy bag. They have no idea what they're doing, right? Like, these guys know how to punch. Um, And I think it's, like, an appropriate matchup. It's kind of fun, NBA versus NFL. I'm curious if any NBA or NFL guys will show up uh, in support on Saturday night. So, yeah, it adds a nice little intrigue. And I like the fact that it's not, like, Darren Williams against some boxer, you know, because we've seen that happen. Like, I remember Johnny Morton getting KO'd brutally in K-1 back in the day on the Brock Lesnar card. Like, we don't want to see that. So, I think... It's appropriate It's fun It's different It's a nice little One-off fight And I love I love the way They've been conducting Themselves You know In the build up
1: Completely agree Frank Gore is actually
0: Quite terrifying on the mitts I was right there yeah. During his workout I was like Holy moly pop. Yeah he's got pop I mean Third all-time Leading rusher Most games played As running back That's a tough man Right in the NFL to last that long, he wasn't, you know, Barry Sanders. But for those that don't know, like Frank Gore is a gangster. Like people respect him in the NFL because of his toughness. To last that long in that position, where it's car crash after car crash, you are tough. And I think what's interesting is like NFL players have a better reputation in terms of their toughness. Basketball players are kind of, you know, viewed at as not so tough. Uh, and so it's interesting to see like who's siding with who, and if Darren could kind of rewrite that narrative. Two last things. One, what's the people's main
1: event and why is it Chris Avila versus Anthony Taylor?
0: Well, I mean, it's so much fun. Chris Avila, the protege of Nathan Diaz, him being on this card is very strategic and very smart. Um, They fought once before. Taylor's just, I mean, he's just like, he's very entertaining. The fact that he's back is funny in its own right. By the way, I looked at his record. He's had two fights in Mexico since the August fight against Tommy Fury. I feel like there's no visual evidence Like where did these fights happen Uh, Anthony Taylor Like I need to Like what You just secretly went to fight in Mexico All of a sudden And got two W's over there It's a little It's a little sus As the kids like to say on the internet But more power to you Uh, Avila actually is a pretty good striker He's been in this spot before UFC 202 Artem Lobov Under the Connor Versus Nate fight So I feel like You know they kind of put him on here to drag Nate out, and it worked. He's here, although he hasn't been really present. Uh, I think he was at the open workouts. Other than that, he hasn't showed up, which is fine. It's just fun. Uh, I like the MMA component. Um, but if I'm being honest, like that's kind of like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. I'm very curious in the Serrano fight because I think the Serrano fight has the highest stakes attached to it. Um, Miriam Gutierrez is tough. Serrano is moving up to 135. She's fought at 135. She appears to be in great shape, even though she's a natural 126. Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor would be the biggest fight in women's boxing history. It would be, you know, like our version, our MMA version of like Ronda Cyborg back in the day or something like that. That fight can sell out or at least do really well at Madison Square Garden. Not Hulu Theater, like the big Madison Square Garden. They can make seven figures for that fight. Like it's all historic stuff. Katie did her part last weekend. If Amanda does her part on Saturday, like in New York, puerto rico versus ireland that's huge so i think the one that has the most stakes attached to it other than the main because of their legacies and all that stuff has to be that one
1: you just answered my second question Uh, so we're
0: good to go it's perfect i was going to ask you about the stakes in the serrano gutierrez i love it and people know like i love katie taylor i'm allowed to say that because i'm not a boxing guy per se at least not now officially um I just love the way she conducts herself. I love the way she fights. I love the way she, you know, represents women's boxing and has broken down so many barriers. And by the way, Amanda Serrano has done that. And I actually think that you can make a case that she should be number two pound for pound just because she bounces around so many times. I mean, like she has fought all over the place. And oh, by the way, has fought and won in MMA as well. Serrano is a tremendous competitor. She hasn't lost a fight since 2012. And she is not a natural 135er, but she has to go up to 135 to get this fight. I just think Puerto Rico, Ireland, springtime New York Madison Square Garden in a sport that really took a long time to accept the women is pretty damn cool and these I mean and also by the way it's not just like a one-off type of thing where it's like oh there's a featured attraction fighter going up against some no-namer this is arguably like in mma and in boxing how often do you get one versus three pound for pound fighting each other you know i remember when dc fought jones that was in my opinion the only time that we saw one versus two fight each other pound for pound so this is pretty damn unique for the sport of boxing and also for the sport of like it's it's unique for combat sports and that's why i'm so hyped about it and then one
1: last thing I just want to keep in mind for everybody watching right now is that you could say what you want about Jake Paul, but Jake Paul is providing a lot of opportunities for these fighters, including Serrano, oh, getting the rub absolutely. and getting these opportunities and be- getting the spotlight. and. He's doing it for them. And him staying on this card and taking this fight with Tyron Woodley, I know
0: Woodley's taking it on short notice, but I think Jake Paul deserves a lot of credit as well. 100%. That's what I always said about, like, even CM Punk, and I know it's totally different. He's not taking anyone's spot. Like, this card doesn't exist without Jake. They canceled this card without Jake. There's no card in Tampa on December 18th on Showtime without Jake. So ask uh, ask Amanda Serrano and Miriam Gutierrez what they think of Jake Paul. Ask Tyron Woodley what he thinks of Jake Paul. He's got a $500,000 bonus if he knocks him out, in addition to his purse. Ask Liam Parrow what he Thinks of Jake Paul, right? Like, this is an Australian guy coming over to the States for the first time. You know, th- there's 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 a lot. Ask Montana Love back in August, who then signed, you know, with Matchroom, and now he's doing great things because he was on that card in Cleveland. There's a lot to be said for the trickle down effect. And this isn't basketball or the NFL where there's, you know, 15 roster, roster spots and you're Master P trying out for the Raptors and people are upset because you have no business being there. No. It's the Wild West of fighting. And if you are taking appropriate fights and then on top of that, providing opportunities and a platform and a spotlight for legitimate fighters, how could you hate that? If it was a card filled with YouTube and TikTokers, then I'm like, all right, fine, this is silly. But it's not, it's nothing close to that. So, you know, the hate to me is getting tired. He's clearly taking the sport seriously. He's clearly respecting the sport and the process and the training camp. He's surrounded by legitimate people, you know, get over it. You don't have to watch it, but like this idea that he's a clown, that it's a circus, that it's all this stuff is so tired and I think that more people should just be, you know, appreciative of the opportunities. If you don't like him, at least be appreciative that he's giving legitimate fighters opportunities to make the most amount of money in their career.
1: History could be made tomorrow. History was made on this Friday
0: afternoon. Man. Who would have thought? This We're here. Crazy. The heckin' Hellwani preview show. Wow. Oh. H and H, the H and H Bagels, the H and H Bagel Show. You know H and H Bagels? I've heard of it. I've it's never actually been. Good Seinfeld episode about H and H Bagels. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, Yeah, yeah. But uh, a New York staple, if you will. Uh, the last time I was in Tampa, by the way, UFC on Fox, um, Rose was on the card, I think against Tisha Torres. I don't know. I'm going down a weird path here. But, uh, Amelie Arena, Tampa's a nice place, by the way. It's great. I mean, their hockey team screwed over my hockey team. Their football team screwed over my football team. We're trying to steal their baseball team. I have a weird relationship with Tampa, but I'm super happy to be here on the MMA Fighting preview show, on MMA Fighting YouTube channel, number one in the sport of mixed martial arts, and dare I say, combat sports as well. I can't say anything. I can't say anything
1: else, Casey. We're out of here for Ariel. I am Mike Hack. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all in one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this high quality leads, fast closing deals. Wildly happy customers and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets.